0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: This haunting is bittersweet. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town.
2: in 2016 and 2017, I lived in New York City, um, mostly in Brooklyn, a little bit of uh, Queens. But I lived very close to what was the Thomas Adams Junior Mansion, also known as the Chicklet Mansion, which was this giant fortress. It was that red brick that's kind of like the YMCA, like very sturdy, like felt very riot proof, felt very uh, 1800s. Uh, style of a building that that was indestructible, kind of a pillar of a community. But I specifically love this building. I lived four blocks away from it and its dark history. So Thomas Adams Jr. He was the essentially the modern father of chewing gum. He invented the chiclet. So this is also called the Chiclet Mansion. Um, built with delicious chiclet money, which I appreciate. It's considered to be the finest example of Romanesque revival architecture in New York City. The land was purchased for around $21,000. The construction cost approximately $125,000. Again, this is 1890, 1890 prices. It is on the corner of Carroll Street and 8th Avenue. It is massive. At one point, it was a a 10-apartment unit, but at the time of its construction, it was built to be reverent to this family that had created this, you know, very, very popular part of our culture, essentially. When you think about chewing gum, you think about who uses it, especially as our country was being founded. Also at the time, um, this part of Brooklyn, Park Slope, was really the first suburb of New York City. So you have a lot of people who lived formerly in Manhattan coming to Brooklyn, creating these big houses because there was so much space there too. When you think about this is very close to Prospect Park, which was the, it's the biggest public park in New York. And I think on the East coast too, but it was, it was this beautiful place that was created as kind of this very chill, very uh, gentrified area that once was mostly Irish and German immigrants. So again, it was built in 1890, but Thomas Adams also has a very interesting history and the way that he came about Chicklets is also very interesting. And then we'll get to this dark twist with his house. Thomas Adams was born on May 4th, 1880 in New York. We don't know much about his early life. We know that he dabbled in various trades. He was a glassmaker at a time. He became a photographer and he wasn't very good at it. During the 1850s, Adams was living in New York and worked as a secretary for Antonio de Santa Anna. He was a Mexican general that was in exile, which meant he was just living with, with Adams in his Staten Island home. Adams noticed that Santa Anna liked to chew gum from the Manicara tree, which was known as chicle. And these products were used as chewing gum for thousands of years by groups like the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Aztecs in North America. Chewing gum had long been used by native Americans. British settlers kind of took on the habit, eventually adopting the practice themselves. Latest later businessman and inventor John B. Curtis became the first person to sell gum commercially. His gum was made from sweetened paraffin wax, which is like when you think about those little like bottles, those wax bottles with the weird colored liquid inside, He kind of pioneered that type of gum, which isn't really gum at all. But I find delicious. Straight up wax. I always
1: wanted to, I was like, I want to like the soap bags It looks so good. And I Mm -hmm. tried it and I was like, this does not taste good.
2: No, but it's still fun to chew stuff. It's like the wax lips, you know, when you get those for Halloween. They're gross. I I like them. I like gnawing on them. I just want like a human adult pacifier, always.
1: I think we had a candy uh, back and forth when we had that candy corn episode.
2: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Candy corn. But I think we both like candy corn. Yeah, we did. We, we We set
1: up, yeah, we... Do not agree on the wax lips. No, but we do agree on candy corn.
2: That's true. We're on the same page with that. What about chiclets, though? Do you like chiclets? Oh yeah, I do. I love. Yeah, it. I
1: wanted to swallow them because they were so good. Because the hard yeah, candy shell, yeah, the
2: hard candy shell. You just want to nibble, nibble, nibble at it, but don't do that because that that'll stain your system for whatever. What did people? Seven. Lie to oh, is that is about? that
1: acid that stays in your spine it's and then like gum so that stays in your stomach? Like yeah. all this,
2: like it's fine. Like we're full. I'm full of diet coke right now yeah. as we speak. I'm gonna die in a tub of diet coke. Uh, Adams was working for Santa Ana. And they suggested that the unsuccessful but inventive photographer experiment with chicle from Mexico. Santa Ana felt that chicle could be used to make a synthetic rubber tire. He had friends in Mexico who would supply the product, and then Adams could kind of cheaply get to work. Before making the chewing gum discovery, Thomas Adams tried to turn chicle into all kinds of rubber products. He Realized that natural rubber was very expensive, as it still is, and a synthetic alternative would be very useful to many manufacturers who would guarantee his investor great wealth. Adams attempted to make toys, masks, rain boots, and bicycle tires out of the chicle from Mexican sapodilla trees, but every time he completely failed. Adams became disheartened by his failure to use chicle as rubber, and then he felt like he had wasted his entire year's worth of work, but one day... Adams noticed a girl buying White Mountain Paraffin Wax chewing gum for a penny at the corner drugstore. He recalled that chicle was used as a chewing gum originally in Mexico, and again his boss had been chewing it all throughout the day, and thought, maybe with all this surplus chicle, I'll just like make some gum, and we'll figure it out. According to a 1944 speech given by Adams' grandson Horatio at a banquet for the American Chicle Company, Adams proposed to prepare an experimental batch with the pharmacist at the drugstore and agreed to sample it. Adams came home from the meeting and told his son Thomas Jr. about his idea. His son was really excited by this and suggested that the two manufacture several boxes of chicle chewing gum and give the product a name and a label. Great marketer. Thomas Jr. was a salesman. He sold tailoring supplies. He was actually very successful at it at the time. And he offered to take the chewing gum on his next trip to see if anyone would care about it. Anyone would buy it. In 1869, Adams was inspired to turn his surplus stock into chewing gum by adding flavoring to the chicle. Shortly after, he opened the world's first chewing gum factory. And again, just to check in, this is a point where we don't, like gum was not a popular thing as embedded as it was, as it is now into our culture. Gum was not like when you go to like a, you know, a reception area, you can get gum, you can get a mint, you can get something like that. They didn't really use gum like that. Again, it was just kind of the wax. It was candy it wasn't like everyone popped a piece of gum into their mouth when they were like going to a job interview or something like that. It was more like an altoity thing or something very sugar based or wax based. So in 1871, Adams New York gum went on sale in drugstores for a penny apiece. The gumballs came in wrappers of different colors in a box with a picture of New York City Hall on the cover. Very patriotic, very city centric. The venture was such a success that Adams was driven to design a machine that could mass produce the gum so he could fill lots of large orders. According to the Encyclopedia of New York City, Adams sold his original gum with the slogan Adams New York Gum Number 1, snapping and stretching. Mmm, I like it. In 1888, a new Adams chewing gum called Tootie Fruity became the first gum to be sold in a vending machine. The machines were located in New York City subway stations and also sold other varieties of Adams gum. Adams products proved to be very popular, much more so than the existing gum products in the market, and he quickly dominated all of the competitors around town and all over the world. His company debuted Blackjack, a licorice flavored gum, in 1884, and Chiclets, named after the Chicle, in 1899. Do you remember Blackjack gum?
1: I do. Yeah. Really?
2: My dad used to like love my yeah. like, dad it's very loves cool. black licorice. Uh, yeah. I know, but it's, like, it's gross. gross. It <laughs> is gross. I wanted to like it. It
1: was, it was like, packaged little, like dusting. Very
2: cool. It has like you always had to, like a flower on it. Like gum had that like weird dust. Yeah. And You're like, ugh, this already tastes bad. Why are you putting like Flour on this. And then the chiclet was born. Adams merged his company with other gum manufacturers from the United States and Canada in 1899 to form the American Chiclet Company, of which he was the first chairman. Other companies that merged into it included W.J. White and Son, Beeman Chemical Company, Kismet Gum, and St. Britain. The rising popularity of chewing gum in the decades that followed led scientists to develop new synthetic versions. Nevertheless, some old-fashioned chiclet varieties are still manufactured and sold today. Very important. How about that? Like a little, like a, a mini history of gum, right?
1: But I want a major history of hauntings.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll get there, baby. Okay, so now we got the successful guy. He's doing great. He's flying high on his gum fortune. We're going to take a break before we get to the scary stuff. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take
2: Okay, we're back. We're here. We're back. We're talking gum. We're talking New York City, turn of the century. But we're also talking Patreon. Patreon.com slash ghost town. Nope. What? Ghost town pod. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Well,
1: despite you not knowing what it is, uh, we have a... (laughs) uh, We appreciate everyone who's donated to our Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, You know, things we just... We're using some new equipment right now. We're, mm-hmm. you know, a little growing pains with this new... We're used to doing things very kind of low budget mm-hmm. uh, and also low quality.
2: Yeah, both and, things.
1: Because we're low quality people. Yeah, definitely. But they cost money. We're submitting to some festivals. So maybe we'll be in a city near you. But we had someone uh, we're very thankful for who seems to really, I guess, just like Rebecca.
2: Yeah, baby. Despite not knowing the name of our Patreon, he donated.
1: He Yeah, he's a $25... Donor, patron. What do
2: you want, man? Chris anything. Witt,
1: our friend Chris Witt. Yeah. He, I asked, I was like, hey, do you want me to promote anything? Did not seem to want to promote anything. So uh-huh. um, I thought I would, what, do you want to promote um but just like life. Like I'm going like to
2: promote the musical Cats, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that's <laughs> out this Christmas. Every time I see that, Mother I think Swift. I'm losing my mind.
1: I, absolutely <laughs> I can't think, wait. I think I'm, I'm picking up online. my brother at the airport and we're going straight to a screening of Cats. Well, Chris Witt says, just wanted to say this is my new favorite podcast. I've been binge listening at work and I'm almost caught up.
2: Almost caught up. Sorry to disappoint.
1: <laughs> he tweeted, so I'm just gonna just celebrate Chris right now. We're gonna do mm-hmm. a little Chris celebration. Chris
2: celebration? Yeah, I guess this is like a little uh, little a uh, festival uh, of wit. Uh,
1: yeah, this is a little Chris uh, Chris celebration. So his Twitter is Chris is trash, which is Chriswit83. That's
2: that's our kind of people, you know.
1: Yeah, he says, I "Can't wait for my 3 a.m. text from at Rebecca Lieb for being a Ghost Town Pod patron." Rebecca says, be careful what you wish for. I am bored and very lonely, which I think is your pretty much automated response to yeah. everything. Yeah. He's like, it's all good. I work graves and get bored.
2: He works like,
1: graves. I, grave, I hope that's not. It's graveyard shift? Yeah, no, no. I hope it's gra- he's a grave digger. And then you said. And I'll say, sup? Oh, and- yeah. And he responded with <laughs> Elisa Simpson. Ow. Yeah, so thank you. We're Chris. married now. Yeah, pretty much. I think four <laughs> tweets. Four tweets is is absolutely. So it's a little too
2: serious for me. We're taking it a little too fast. fast.
1: But you can always uh, catch us on Instagram, yes. Ghost Town Pod, Twitter. If you want to mm-hmm. get Ghost Town Pod as well, yeah. And if you need if you need something on a Monday, if uh-huh. you're like I can't wait till that Wednesday and Friday, you can check out an episode of Strange Year, which yeah. I just kind of find. Every episode is a different year, and I find the weird, strange history of that year.
2: It's very fun. It's Short, sweet,
1: didn't... like nothing happened in 1942. I know that. Nothing had happened yeah, in 2001. Dead year. Damn. <laughs> no, 2001, 2001 oh, nothing happened. <laughs> Let me tell you something. 2019, what an nothing happened. <laughs> if it didn't happen to us, it didn't happen. So strange year, wherever you get mm-hmm. podcasts. And
2: also very exciting is that we have another podcast- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jason's looking at me and just like he's like please but we gotta promote it we right? We yeah. Am I gonna say this right? Let's find out. So if you like what we do here but are like I really like I like Vanderpump Rules <laughs> I like Bravo shows go to Vanderpocalypse Now. Van- <laughs> That's there- right. No, it's Vanderpodcalypse. I don't it's think- very, yeah,
1: it's Vanderpodcalypse.
2: V-A-N-D-E-R-P-O-D-C-A-L-Y-P-S-E Now. That's the name of our new podcast. It's kind week.
1: of a metal, kind of it's heavy cool metal. as hell. Yeah, like it's like a rock and roll where we kind of riff Scathing. on. Yeah, we riff on. Check it out just for the artwork. Uh,
2: yeah, the artwork we riff is great. On- It's made by this guy named John Brown. He's a great graphic designer. You. You're not John Brown. You <laughs> say thank you.
1: No, I mean, thank you to him for doing it. Not that he's listening to this. (laughs) But yeah, I'll take credit for it.
2: Okay, do it. Uh, It's going to be really fun. It's just, it's a different thing than maybe you're used to if you follow Ghost Town, if you listen to us and hopefully it'll be kind of a fun pivot on it. Especially again, if you are fans of Vanderpump Rules like we are, want a little break, a little different. You need a little levity from all this fun, dark murder? Hmm? Maybe not. Mm, Maybe not. But then go for it. But how about we get back to the murder that I promised
1: you. Yeah, give me some, give me some hauntings. Give, give me some because some you know, uh, you know, we've done we haven't done a lot of New York City, which mm-hmm. is kind of surprising. I mean, we did the Tompkins Square Park riots, yes. we've done that. But I feel like we haven't done a lot of New York City and
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, Park Slope, you know, for those who don't know, wasn't always the super expensive, very cool Mm-mm. area it is. It was very, you know, you didn't a lot of times you didn't go to Brooklyn, you didn't mm-hmm. go to uh, Bedford Stuyvesant, you didn't just you just didn't go. Yeah. Um but you know, I think probably then it was probably pretty posh, and now it's pretty, yeah, pretty posh for the most part. Oh,
2: absolutely! I mean, it's it's inaccessible, really, in a lot of ways. You have to go really far out. You have to go past Queens. You know, you have to go past Ridgewood. I, I thought
1: I almost died in Park Slope. It's for another time, though. What? The last time I was in Park Slope was probably one of the worst days of my life.
2: What? What?
1: A, a New Year's Eve you're in Park gonna, Slope. You're going to
2: tease that and not tell I'm people? Gonna, yeah,
1: I'm going to tease that. It's too long of a story. Oh my goodness! Maybe some other time. Uh,
2: I've been food poisoned twice in Park Slope at a bodega, close to where I lived. Don't the lunch meats? Beautiful Park Slope is a beautiful part of the city. Don't eat the lunch meats, especially if there's it's a on sh- the ground.
1: If it's on the ground, don't pick it up and eat it.
2: No, no I learned that lesson the hard way. Ugh, but I love a bodega. Let's get back to it. In 1890, Adams was flying high and commissioned architect C.P.H. Gilbert, who designed mansions for the leading families in New York, including the Woolworths, eh? to make his family house uh, in Brooklyn. That's the, that's my dog. <laughs> that's my new rabid dog. I got a dog, everybody. So anyway, he did. He made the house. At the turn of the 20th century, his family moved uh, into Riverside Drive in Manhattan. So they lived in the house for a little while, uneventful, Right. But their former house in Park Slope was occupied for many years by Alvin Edger Ivy, a relative by marriage of F.W. Woolworth. Ivy worked for the Woolworth Company and was also a director of the East Brooklyn Savings Bank. So here's where it gets a little bit murky, because a lot of places report on this murder and haunting. We're not sure if it happened to Adams or if it happened to Ivy. Some sources say one thing. But it happened there. But it happened in this house. Okay, that's
1: what's important. So
2: Adams lived there, turned it over to Ivy. It was one of these very rich, very influential New York families. So the Adams Mansion, important part about it is that it was the first house in Brooklyn to have an elevator like a private elevator and the staff was never supposed to enter the elevator. But again, not sure if it's Adams or the Ivies, but they went on vacation for the summer and the staff was kind of tempted to try out this elevator. First private elevator in all of the United States. Very important, very interesting, very cool. So they fooled around with the elevator, but four people who worked in the house got stuck between the floors in the elevator. Like they tried to get out, they they couldn't do it. So apparently the trap in the ceiling of the elevators hadn't been invented um, yet. So they, there was no way out. So they kind of moved between, like when the elevator was down in the cavity, they could go on top of it, but they couldn't get back into the elevator. So they were crushed when the elevator went back up at the end of the day for whatever reason, kind of shut down. And they, they stayed there for the rest of the summer until the family came back and discovered these rotting New York in the summer bodies of the four people who had served them in the rotting in the elevator shaft. So this may have been the reason why Adams left, honestly, but again, not sure who it was. The tenants have complained about hearing lots of different noises there Um, movement in that area. The elevator was removed and its shaft is now an alcove in in the apartments and several floors. It's very beautiful. But the haunting came from that horrible, gruesome murder and people since then, again, when it became this like 10-unit building, then when these new owners renovated it, they hear these moans and these gasps specifically from this elevator area.
1: When I, as soon as you said elevator, I was like, "This, is, I know, so this is elevator. gonna be trouble." Yeah.
2: Also, elevators in New York, and like I, have yeah, they are not up to code even now. Even now, they're very dangerous. Old buildings, like things, kind of get left. So think about in the eighteen nineties, new elevator, people fucking around in it, and then all of a sudden. They're done.
1: Because you don't know, like, you don't know what the danger is because mm-hmm. it's so new.
2: Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's strong. You know, like, whatever. It's supposed to be. The, the thing about elevators is, like, it is supposed to be meant for people to use and be inside of and work with. But if something goes wrong, if one little thing goes wrong, you're done. Ugh, scary. I'm still very terrified of elevators, to be honest. It's the in and out
1: part. Every time I'm in an elevator, and I think, like, if I got stuck in this elevator with these people, how would it go? Oh, yeah. Really Ooh. good though. That's, that's really good? pretty you optimistic. Be, uh, yeah, I make I make, I make some new friends. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. That's and great. then I tell him I was like, you know what? Check out, uh, subscribe to uh, Ghost Town. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah,
2: you're always working. Yeah, that's what I like about you. So Adams eventually stepped down from his leadership position at the American Chiclay Company, though he remained on board of the directors till the late 80s. He died on February 7th, 1905, in New York. Again, Adams was not the original inventor of chewing gum, but his invention of a device for mass producing chewing gum, along with his efforts to promote it, gave birth to the chewing gum industry, booming that we know and love today. Chicklets, first introduced in 1900, is still sold around the world. In 2018, chewing gum sales totaled about $4 billion in the United States. Just chicklets, just a tiny, hard, candy-coated piece of not-so-extraordinary gum. The American Chiclet Company was purchased by a pharmaceutical company in 1962. In 1997, it was renamed Adams in honor of its founder. It's currently owned by the confectionery conglomerate Cadbury, which is based in England. The Chiclet Mansion was converted in the 1950s into those apartments we talked about, plus a doctor's office, and then purchased and completely renovated in 2016 by John and Tina Novogratz, who drove by one evening to check out the mansion, which had fallen into disrepair. A real estate agent was putting it up for sale, and was putting in the sign when the couple jumped out and negotiated to buy it on the spot. So they haven't overtly talked about the hauntings, but I can imagine from all of the testimonies that came before, every once in a while, they hear something that's a little bit suspect.
1: Well, I didn't realize that chick gum this whole time was cursed. So I'm yeah. just swallowing this essentially cursed yeah. gum in some You're way. swallowing
2: bad energy. And that's
1: why my life is...
2: Yeah. <laughs> gone awry. Exactly. So I want to thank Forgotten New York, Thought Co., the New York City and Landmarks Preservation Commission, and Four Years in Brooklyn for all of that juicy, chewy, flavorful, de- delectable information.
1: Yeah. And then the people that um, died in the elevator.
2: I want to thank... Those who died, which again, there is not much. It's very vague, but it's mm-hmm. such a horrifying and specific story, and a very
1: famous. I mean, an iconic candy.
2: Yeah, and I am sure it haunts them. It's one of those things where I love when rich people are troubled, or something is gnawing at them that they can't ever take back. You know,
1: well, if you have if they if you have money, then you have things, and if you have things, then problems can arise, and then if problems arise, then mm-hmm. you have. You know, the, you have the, the, the ghost of the people that either worked for you or died. Yeah. And your you know.
2: And I assume they're immigrants, honestly, that came over to work for this fancy family. And it's very unfortunate, very gruesome and part and parcel to New York history, which I also love.
1: Yeah, We got to do some more uh, New York history. We will. I think we will. And then um, we're going to do like hit bubble yum next.
2: Bubble okay. yum. We're coming for you.
1: <laughs>